Welcome into the January 4th edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. The Maple Leafs losing their first shootout of the year to the Blues last night, snapping Ilya Samsonov's un- at Scotiabank Arena. Austin Matthews did reach a milestone himself in the loss, however, and a uh, pretty big night tonight in the world of junior hockey, the World Championship semifinal between Canada and U.S. We'll tee that up for tonight, and there's time maybe dig into this Jacob Verana situation in Detroit because it's kind of a, a weird one with him getting placed on waivers. There's a, a big time goal at uh, a guy who we thought might be part of their future. Steve Weiserman thinks there could be a different future for this kid, but story a little bit later as well. All that more coming up on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known on TSN's Overdrive and on TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the Lockdown Leafs Podcast. is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free. From you can also now catch us up on video format on YouTube. Search up Lockdown Leafs, hit subscribe, and get new content directly delivered to you each and every day, Monday through Leafs. All the time. Um, so a couple of things we got to get into today. There's a big matchup in, in the World Canada-U.S. semifinal. That's always a, a treat to watch. And Connor Bedard's show hopefully continues. And he can really make a mark by doing what he's been doing against a marquee team like USA. Uh, so we'll chat about that a little bit. Uh, talk about that Jacob Brana situation with him being placed on waivers and officially clearing waivers. We just got word of that about an hour ago as of the recording of this podcast. So we'll kind of touch on that. But let's get into last night's game here, Dave. Maple Leafs falling to the St. Louis Blues in a shootout. 6-5 was the final. Um, so we'll just open it up. Pretty open-ended question to start. Your thoughts, Dave? Uh, kind of a disappointing game for the Leafs, in my opinion. I'd- Blues team, it's kind of predictable. A Blues team that's you know without two of their best forwards, so you know if you eventually have Brendan Stott having a hero game for that team. But I I hated the Leafs start. I didn't think they they were way too. It was like chaotic in the defensive zone. Not a great you know not a great start for Elias Samsonov. It was just kind of a weird night. I guess the positive is they get a point out of it, but that was not a game. That's like. That's not what we've been seeing from the Leafs the last month, the way that they played in that St. Louis game. That's something that the old older Leafs from early in the season were doing. They got to get – hopefully they got that game out of their system now. Yeah, and ahead of the game, you know, I heard Craig Berube, like, kind of call out his players and, and Bill Armstrong call out his players – and uh, or Doug Armstrong, rather – and say – Two guys to step up here, Shen and Saad, and those are the two guys who kind of stepped up in that game for sure. Um, I, 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 you know, the Maple Leafs, it's funny. I actually felt more Leafs more than ever in the first minutes of last night's game, Dave, because uh, 
I slept through the minutes of the, of the hockey game. <laughs> slept until about 7.30, 7.40. And then I look at my game started. Oh, no, it's already 2 nothing. So we both slept through the first 40 minutes of that game. And then they didn't play well in overtime. At the third period, though, they locked it down pretty well. Um, mounted the comeback, brought it into OT, uh, and then ultimately lost the game in a shootout, obviously. Probably the two things that stick out about last night, I would say, is the play of the top line, which continues to be stellar, but maybe most notably was the continued poor play in goal from Ilya Samsonov. It's now four straight games where he's struggled coming off those really impressive back-to-back shutout performances. But since then, he's given up uh, he's given up 4.25 goals um, against average in, in that four-game span, an 850 save percentage in that four-game span. Um, was 844 last night, um, giving up five goals on 32 shots. And then if you want to add in the goals he gave up in the shootout as well, not, a, not an overly great night for uh for samsonov i mean are you are you starting to get concerned here that you know his confidence is a little shook and it might take him a little bit to refine himself i think that's the big one there is when i'm watching that game last night it's not like he's being beat like by the blues i think he's beating himself a little bit like the first goal the brandon sod goal it looked like a very innocent play terrible angle to give up a goal and you can see the body you can see the body language the body language right now is giving me a little bit of that jack campbell vibe where you see he lets in a goal he's going he's taking his head it's scary but but that's the vibe i'm getting just because you see him shake his head he gives up like he gets beat clean he's shaking his head the one goal i felt like Okay, you can't really fault him for was the one. I think it was actually Shen's goal, the one where it was like all that commotion. Yeah, the commotion in front. Kerfoot gets his, you know, gets hooked as he's trying to go and get the puck, and like that's a goal. I like. Yeah. Like I thought he initially, I thought he stopped it and he was gonna freeze it, and then he lost it. Like, but yeah, a lot of the ones where he just got beat clean, I'm just like. Well, the, the second goal too. I mean, that went. That was just a, an unfortunate bounce. Oh yeah, no way. Yeah, that one. That was the other one where I was just like, anybody could have. No, like, no goalie is really stopping that unless you're just lucky enough to, ha- you know, have the right place, right time. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe two goals. I felt like were a bit. Yeah, but he still had another three goals and backbreaking goals too. Right. Like the Leafs were getting momentum. Blues scored a goal. All right, we got to do this all over again. Good on the Leafs for. Not letting that like five three, you're thinking ah, it's gonna be tough. But luckily, Jordan Bennington was equally as bad on the other end. Um, I mean, the Leafs scored some nice goals, but he was also not very good uh, for St. Louis. So the good thing is that the Leafs kind of bailed out their goal, bailed out Samsonov as much as they could. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm starting to see, and you hear him talk about you know, but even before the break like he's like i kind of need a reset mentally i don't know maybe they need to give matt murray a string of starts right now just to kind of give samson off that break i don't know what the perfect recipe is here so that's interesting because i actually feel the opposite i feel like samsonov needs a bit needs more starts because when he was in a groove and in rhythm when murray went down he was playing every night 
Um, and he was like getting the bulk of the starts and he was, you know, he got into a good groove. That's when he was at his best. And then since coming back from his injury, now that he ha- is in like a tandem split platoon situation, it seems like if he does have a, a struggling night or he allows one goal, now he might be getting in his own head being like, okay, I, you know, I allow one goal. What does this mean going forward? Am I going to lose the next start? Am I going, you know, going to be sitting on the pine? Like I feel like maybe now he's thinking too much because he has a guy competing with him for starts, and maybe if he got a cup to get his game back, get him back into that rhythm, and get his mindset back uh, into the right place where it was earlier in the year, case scenario for him. But to your point, I mean, it could go either way. We we don't know. What is the right solution? If we did, we probably would be paid a lot more money than we are if we, you know, were the goalie whispers of the world. I'm sure the Toronto Maple Leafs would pay us greatly uh, the perfect plan here. But it just goes to show, like, there's two schools of thought, and there's kind of two ways that things were. I guess they could also just kind of keep doing what they're doing. Give Samsonov, you know, a start, uh, one or two starts a week. Give Murray one or two starts a week. And just hopefully they can both play in a tandem and both have success. But right now, uh, Sam's not struggling. And I feel like waiting in between starts is, you know, maybe that's affecting mindset. And perhaps maybe since he did play well in the third period and he had a pretty good overtime, I thought also had a great save in OT. Maybe you go back to him in the in the Seattle Kraken game tomorrow night just to to get him another game to forget about the the, the last one he just that yeah i mean they i think maybe you know there's there's this is where the psychology of everything comes in right this is where sheldon keith really needs to find out from i mean this is also where curtis sanford comes into play right he's gonna tell sheldon keith like look i think he needs i need he needs a game off or i think we just need to keep feeding our regular workload that's that's the, that's what the goalie coach that's another like other than the technical stuff the goaltender coach is the one that's going to get a better sense of how the goaltender's feeling because they're working directly with them. So yeah, yeah. that's this is where this is where Curtis Stanford earns his paycheck, you know, considering he's getting paid more than that to handle these things. So yeah, I I, I do feel I like and part of me is also just like they gotta get Samson off going because we know that they don't want to be putting Matt Murray in a situation where he's playing too much. And yeah, so they really need to get this sorted out. Well, they also don't want to be in a situation where Matt Murray gets injured, which he's been prone to. Yeah. Has been prone to happening, and then you've got a Samsonov who's not playing at a whole lot of confidence, and then you got to throw him out there for for a whole bunch of games. Hopefully, again, they can figure out a good balance that works for both goaltenders. It works best for the team. The other thing about last night. Uh, Matthews made history, becoming the fastest Maple Leaf to reach the 500-point mark. Got it uh, off a secondary assist on William Nylander's goal last night. Um, did it in 50 games, Matt Sundin and Rick Vive did uh, way back when, when they got their 500th points um, back in back in the day. So pretty, pretty news, unfortunately, came in, in a losing effort. So it's good, probably. For him, but still an, an incredible feat. All right, Dave, let's take a, a quick break. and we get back, let's get to, uh, well, the good, the bad, the ugly in last night's game. And then uh, we could also maybe I'll talk a little bit about this Jacob Verana situation. And team 
Skip Canada US tonight, the semifinal Skip winner going to the gold medal round. So we'll do that all, all on the other side. Um, but first, let show sponsors, and that's betonline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional name from pro football to college bowl season to basketball, the NHL. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports, uh, we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. It's where the game's. Welcome back into the Locked On These podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Dave Morsuti here with me. We are hosts here at the Locked On These podcast, a daily Maple Leaf-centric pod, where if you are part of Leafs Nation and consider yourself a diehard fan, you got to be part of the Locked On Leafs family. We've set this New Year's goal, this resolution, to get to 5,000 subscribers on YouTube by the end of 2023. We're at 2,400 and change, so we're almost halfway there. Um, and we only started this channel back in February, so we're just hoping to basically stay on pace with what we did a year ago. Hopefully, we can surpass it with you know a lot of success that we that we can have. A long playoff could also help with that type of success, but it also takes y'all listen uh, to help us get there as well. So if you're if you're not subscribed and you enjoy the content that we provide you each and every day, we'd appreciate it if you would uh, hit the little subscribe button and and help us with that. Uh, last night, Maple Leafs, a 6-5 shootout loss to the St. Louis Blues. It was the first uh, shootout of the year for the team. And we saw some interesting decisions, I think, maybe, to, to say the least. Were, were you surprised, I guess, when Rasmus Sandin was the fourth guy to come over the boards for Toronto? I was watching the game with a friend of ours, that, you know, our friend Austin. I'm just like... Shout out, friend of the show. Shout out, friend of the show. Um and I'm just like, are they seriously putting Rasmus Sandin out right now? Like, before John Tavares, is this what is this what I'm really seeing right now? Now I know a lot of Leaf uh, media members were saying, well, Sandin has done very well in the shootout in practice. I get that, but you have John Tavares, who is also really good on the in the shootout. Maybe you let him go first, then you put Rasmus Sandin third. But I will give Rasmus Sandin credit. He it looked like he was going to score on that. Like he was he made a nice move. Like that was a nice yeah move. Unfortunately, the puck bobbled. I don't know if the ice, if it if it hit a, a stick perhaps, mm-hmm. or if he collided with Bennington's stick. Something happened where the puck bobbled on him, and he couldn't get a hold of it to put it in the back of the net. But did make a nice move to your point. And yeah, I've spoken with a few media members um, about this before, and I was actually reminded. I want to say this was last last year so like long ago uh he won a shootout competition for the toronto maple leafs and they just don't get in this situation very often yeah so it's it was surprising at the time you're about hey this guy actually in practice looks legit in a shootout i guess it makes it makes sense at the time and Tavares, I think, is the one guy who you could argue like guys scored 47 goals in the NHL the one year. A lot of his goals, though, so does he have that that breakaway? Does he have that shootout? You know, I don't know. We haven't been able to see that much at all. He did it a lot for this team back in the past. I think Kasha was given an opportunity a couple times last year. But there's just not many other options that they have once they get to the shootout. So it's a good thing they don't get there 
a lot because there, there's not many. I mean, Michael Bunting was a name that a lot of people brought up because he had already had two goals in the game and he's been on fire of late. But he doesn't. He's not like a shootout type of guy, right? Like he's similar to Tavares and where he scored a lot of goals from in tight um, off of plays and whatnot, as opposed to making a nice move. Not said he can't, but either way, uh, I thought it was an interesting decision. It didn't work out, but I don't think that um, Keith should be crucified for for putting Sandine out. It was a nice move. It just didn't uh, didn't translate. Good, the bad, the ugly here, Dave. Uh, what did you like about last night's uh, loss of the blue? The good from last night. Well, the top line, right? Nylander, Matthews, and Bunting. That line was just on flight. Like every time they were on the ice, you felt like they were gonna they were just gonna dominate and find a way to score. And they, I felt like they could have done even better last night. They were that good. Um, especially yeah. especially Matthews. That goal that he scored. Like I thought, oh crap! A bad pass. He's not gonna score. No, he's just gonna take it off the back heel and score on like the most awkward wrist shot. Like, no big deal. Like that's just how good he is yeah. in those positions. Yeah, it's the top line's been able to do. Like that's clearly my good as well. Like the way that they've been playing, all with multi-point nights. They outscored the Blues three to nothing while out there on the ice. Um, they had, you know, the shot 74 percentile, I believe, 68 uh, percent expected goals last night as well um, went out there on the ice. So they were dominating both in the underlying number sheet where, again, uh, three nothing in goals at five on five for for, uh, for that trio and then bunting also getting another. Um, they've been great in the last 20 games. All three of those players have been a point per game or higher. So that trio has been been real, real solid since getting put together. And of late, they really seem to be kicking into, into high gear. And last night again, like Matthews, it, it it seemed like a night where he looked more like him last year's self in that game, where he was dominant, he was dancing, he was taking pucks, winning battles, um, shooting on net, and you know getting actual shots on goal. Uh, he just looked more dominant last night. And, you know, I, I think that top line clearly is is really rolling right now. All right, what was bad about last night's game, Dave? Bad? Well, I, I haven't minded the 5-4 power play unit. I just didn't like how they gave up the goal like that. Like, that's the, dam- that's the danger of having the five forwards out on the power play. They're like, someone's got to defend. Out of all of them, Mitch Marner is likely the best option, and there's only so much he can do. So that, like that, that shorthand goal kind of set the tone and gave the Blues kind of the momentum they needed to start the game. So I wasn't a fan of that. I know the I was reading articles, that, you know, saying the results have been encouraging for the five man power uh, forward power play, but I just don't know if this is something you are going to see long term, especially in the playoffs. I cannot see Sheldon Keith rolling out five forwards on the power play unless it's a desperate situation. Yeah, it's it's a it's a real interesting scenario because I, I like the look of it. It seemed like it's very fluid. Like when you have a blue liner out there, like Riley or Sandine, you know they're pretty well uh, in their spot up at the top of the umbrella. Um, and it seems as though when there's five guys out there, 
they're kind of moving all over the place and, and it's interchangeable and it, it, it seems like it's opened up more and it's allowed more cross ice stuff, um, which has opened up guys. It seems like there's five players out there who could score at any moment. Uh, it seems like they're, they're less likely to force it to Matthews, which, you know, you could argue you want that guy shooting the puck on the power play. But also, it's it's opened up opportunities for Tavares to score a lot of power play goals for Bunting, for Nylander, um, and even Mitch Marner's had a couple of power play goals here. So, you know, I think that there's some things to really like about it, but also some things not to like. But this is what this regular season is for for a team like this who expects to go to the playoffs. You try and you know to experiment a little bit, assuming that it doesn't completely fall off the rails and last night they did allow a goal obviously but special teams in general weren't great that was my bad um outscored three to one gave up two goals on the power play and then gave up the shorty early in the game um so the special teams as a whole were kind of my my bad from last night but they've been all right you know relatively all right as of late but last night not up to par um and speaking of the the goal or hit a goal that that was my ugly like that was just you can't you gotta have that save you gotta make that stop you can't go down one nothing you know with a shorthanded goal on one that was you know a squeaker like that it's it's not great for for anybody and that that was just an ugly one that you know Samsonov wants back and Sheldon Keith post game even said like gotta have that one that's the one that he would have wanted back. Yeah, I definitely think that. Like, out of all the goals, that's probably the one where you just, like, like if you get a save on that one, you know, who knows how different the game looks just because at least on the power play, maybe they can get, you know, the, to, a, a, a goal to start the game, right? They were they were all over. Like, also the Blues were kind of all over them to start the game, too. They had the they had the early lead in the in the shots and chances on net, so – that was kind of like the ugliest goal t- was goaltending for me too, just because that felt like a winnable game, just because the Blues were not that good themselves. I think. Tell me if this is a stretch or not. Is that the first game of the year where goaltending cost them? Might be. Uh, like yeah, the offense. Well, yeah. Like there's been nights yeah, where the goaltending say- hasn't been the best, but the offense wasn't really there either. Where you know, last night you score four goals at home. That should be enough. Five goals, sorry. You score five goals at yeah. home. That's got to be enough. And it just wasn't. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's fair to say that. Um, in overtime, he saved their bacon. I'll yeah. give, give Samson off credit on that because I don't know what they were doing in overtime. Yeah. I said, I even said in the Discord, like, just keep David Camp out there because nobody else – it, nobody else was like wanting to play in overtime. Like, they, oh, I won't get too far into that. It's kind of been the story all season for them. But um, yeah, no, I feel like that was a game where goaltending just because, like, even if they've had like bad goaltending, they're not giving up. Like, I think maybe this, maybe the Cal, the the Washington game was the only other one I could say goaltending wasn't good enough. But in the Washington game, the Leafs only scored twice. That's what I mean. It's like this is the one night where it's like they got – he got the offensive support necessary yeah. enough to win but still lose. That might be the first time all season unless there's a night I'm thinking of that uh, that we could say that. But, you know, if relatively the goaltending hasn't enough. 
hitting a little bit of the slide here in these last four games. Two one and one records, so he's picking up some points, but uh, still, you just want it to see a little bit more and, and for him to kind of rebound and get closer back to the form that he was playing in earlier in the season. All right, Dave, we'll take one more quick break. When we get back, let's tee up tonight's game. Canada-USA should be a terrific matchup. Winner moving on to play for the gold medal at the World And then uh, a quick note on the Jacob Verana situation, who cleared waivers today for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. You'll see the Lockdown Leafs here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Welcome back into Locked on Leafs, your uh, daily Maple Leafs podcast here. I'm Mike DiStefano with my co-host Dave Morissuti. Um, typically, we, we we stick to Toronto. We stick to the Leafs. Sometimes when there's a big story, we'll go uh, we'll go elsewhere. So there's kind of two big stories tonight around hockey, one of which is the Canada-U.S. Uh, semifinal matchup winner going on for the gold medal at the World Junior Championships. The other one is a situation going on in Detroit. Jacob Verana, who was traded there a couple of years back, they gave up uh, Anthony Mantha uh, to get him. And he's been really productive in the time that he's played, which isn't a whole lot of games due to injuries and and some off-ice situations. But through 29 games since he's been in Detroit, uh, he has 22 goals, and he's really performed well well at a goal per game average second view since becoming a Detroit Red Wing across the entire NHL that said he was placed on waivers yesterday uh just shortly after coming um off uh out of the player assistance program he played a few games in the American League as uh, on loan as a conditioning stint and then instead of being activated and placed on the Red Wings roster instead um yesterday Steve Eisenman put him on waivers, which was a, a bit of a shock and a big-time eyebrow brazer to myself and, and many across hockey. Obviously, if you followed around on Twitter, there was a lot of shocked and, and eyeballs going on at that. Are you surprised that he went unclaimed? The only reason why, as well. the only reason why I wasn't surprised, his salary, and I'm wondering if teams looked into maybe there's another issue we're not aware of with Verana. Like, well, there may not have been enough time to look to That's, have looked into that situation and you yeah. didn't roll the dice. But when you're considering how much he's making, like, look, he's a very productive player. A lot of teams, I feel like, take a shot. You know, you're not paying anything to get him. What teams have the cap space really to do it? There are teams that have the cap space to do it. It's just, I'm wondering if they. If maybe there's a little bit of, I wouldn't say over, like overreading this, like the situation, but yeah, that was that was a that was a head scratcher when you see him getting put on on waivers, and then it, I I just felt like Detroit was just gonna take the um was just gonna take the chance that you know if somebody claims him clearly he's something has not worked out there, something has fallen through, um, but yeah, I I. It was, I mean, the surprise was him putting on waivers. Him not being claimed wasn't as surprising just because I know it's not always a given that someone's going to go on and claim a guy with that much salary, even if he's, you know, a decent producer. Making $5.25 million is his cap hit this year as well. So he's under contract. Something that kind of scared some teams away. And, 
I texted Chris Johnston to make sure that this was true, and Hockey Insider. And if a team has to have the full 5.25 or cap or just the two and char remaining on his deal rest of season. And he said, no, they have to have the full cap. So I proceeded to go to cap friendly to see could afford that and and unshockingly a whole lot uh, could actually afford that like six or seven teams could afford and have that amount of space available to even accompany a move to bring in a Jacob Verana onto their team um, but what I thought maybe and then let's use the coyote example maybe or the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, why not the Coyotes? Because that's a bit of a different situation. Or money-wise, they might not want to actually pay the physical cash to acquire this player. But like, wouldn't a team just kind of want him to try and build back his trade value? I mean, I don't. Even, I think he still has value. Like I said, it's a guy in his last twenty-nine games has twenty-two goals. It's not like he's fallen off. He just threw you know, the assistance program and whatnot. And, you know, he hasn't played since, but you give him those games to prove, oh, had quality, um, successful player here at the NHL level. And then you retain South. You've got a really intriguing trade chip here. If you are willing to retain and pick up a draft pick by doing so, I'm surprised that the team didn't look into that. Yeah, I there, there's this yeah a team like Anaheim like what do you have to lose right to claim right. someone and like I I I felt that's where I felt like yeah. just take a chance. Worst case scenario, you have a 26 year old guy who can score you 25 plus goals a season. Worst case yeah. scenario, well worth five five and change that he's making in my opinion. Exactly. Um, you looked at what Seattle did when they took uh Ilya Tolvanen. Yeah. Like, just take a chance on a younger, if, if a younger guy, who has upside, right now. Tolvanen doesn't have the contract that Verana does, but Verana, as you said, has a track record. So that, yeah, that's where I was surprised in him not being claimed. But as you mentioned, there's so many limited teams. Maybe Anaheim felt like it just wasn't the right fit for them. But I mean, Anaheim's just going nowhere. So I don't know. Uh, I don't think they can really be too picky. With, with who's on the team. And, like, you yeah. look what Arizona's done with taking all those players and all, all those contracts. Look at what Shane Goss is bare. Like, yeah, you know, and now they're going to get an asset for him at, yeah. at, the dra- at the deadline. Another assets for taking him and got him dirt cheap. Now they're going to get another asset for taking on that contract. And Montreal could be doing the exact same thing with Sean Monaghan if he's healthy enough at the deadline, you know, like this, this happens sometimes where people's value get rebuilt. And I'm surprised that, uh, that one of the lesser teams didn't take, um, you know, didn't take the flyer on that to see if they could rebuild that value, retain half and maybe get, I mean, if you're Toronto, let's say, and you could get Jacob Verana, 26 year old goal scorer under contract for next season. If you could get a team to retain that at 50%, you're looking now at, a contract of what 2.7 ish, two and change million dollars for this year and next. I mean, that's a, the exact type of player that Toronto needs 
in terms of adding that secondary score, that like the kind of player that maybe Toronto would want to, I mean, you'd give up a pretty penny for that, wouldn't you? Or wouldn't Dubas? I mean, you wouldn't even have to, I don't, at this point, you wouldn't have to give up that big of a penny just because the guy was placed on waivers. Like the leverage that Detroit has now. Well, but Toronto couldn't take him at, at right. full pop, right? Exactly. That, that's what I mean, where a team who has the cap space to take him on at full pop can use that, weaponize yeah. their cap space, retain half, and then be like, okay, look, you're getting this 25 to 30 goal score for just a hair under $3 million or a hair over $2.5 million. That's now valued at a first-round pick, like a late first-round pick. Well, that's very at $5 true. Million, probably not, but at that – I think a hundred percent. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's probably what, I mean, I'm sure the Leafs would have loved that opportunity. The problem also is Detroit Red Wings. I mean, no, it would, if it would have been great if like, let's say Anaheim claimed them and you could have done that with Anaheim. I, I just think sometimes GMs lack that creativity. For um, sure. Sometimes like if we were GM, Mike, we definitely would have done that. We've also yes. would have made a bunch of other dumb moves along the way, but it's that one move. Well, it's, it's it's at the end of the money, but I'm sure there are many GMs that are like, yeah, I'm not paying over $2.5 million for That's ultimately how some of these guys think and operate. And, I mean, whatever. It's I guess it's a business, and that's a lot of money to pay. But if it can help your team win championships, which brings in more money, might be worth it. Long-term goal, long-term investment. But, nah, what do we know? What do we know? Um, I've only won, you know, the Stanley Cup championships in the NHL video game, but what do I know? Uh, last, lastly, that's a joke for those who didn't get that, by the way. Uh, lastly, Canada U.S. tonight gold medal game semifinal. Uh, give me a prediction before we head out. Oh, it is going to be a close game too. I mean, yeah. Slovakia Canada was a close game. Um, I'm going to go four three Canada. I think 4-2, Connor Pedard, two goals. I think Adam Fantilli hits the scoreboard tonight as well. I think he has a big game. Michigan uh, University player. He's going to be playing against a couple of teammates on USA. Might want to show out and show up in front of those guys. And it's been a little slow to, to start the, the, the tournament. So I think tonight's the breakout game for Adam Fantilli. I think he gets on the score sheet and Connor Pedard continues to uh to to make history here at the world junior championships so those are our predictions the games tonight it's gonna be a fun one hopefully canada can roll through to the gold medal game which will be on tomorrow actually tomorrow all right dave that'll uh you got something to say no i just said please like please don't lose to the u.s because i remember the feeling a few years ago when canada yeah. lost in the gold Canada's medal. lost. Yeah, that was uh Zegris Zegris uh year. Yeah. Canada's lost, I believe the number is five of six, five of the last six or four of the last five games, or four of the last six, something like, like that to the Americans. But here I think it's a little different. The the talent disparity between Canada and US is is greater than typical. Um, so hopefully they can just play their game and come away with the victory. Talk about it on tomorrow's show, though. We'll also uh, tee up the Kraken and Leafs game, which will be tomorrow as well. But that'll do it for us here today on the pod. I'd like to thank you show. You can subscribe to Locked on these podcasts on all podcasts.
podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Score Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. We'll be back with another episode for y'all tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.